When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth, cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. (laughs) 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 (sighs) On our favorite records. Oh, man. Look, dude, we, we removed a segment from one of our episodes way back in the day when i brought up the fact that we used to have trouble uh pronouncing ours uh but i'm leaving this in dude this is our favorite wackers and my name is quentin i've got my brother travis with me as always and we are finishing up our spoonathon with their fifth studio album gimme fiction it came out in 2005. So this is going to be it for a little for a little while. Well, uh, dude, technically we're going to come back with another spoon track for the sidetrack next week. Yeah, you're right. So Don't spill beans. You're not, Don't spill beans. You're not done yet with spoon. Yeah. So also, if you're not a fan of, of spoon, I'm sorry. Well, let's put it this way. dude. <laughs> if you're not a fan of spoon by now and you've listened to our reviews up to this yeah. point, then yeah. we haven't uh, we haven't delivered the goods. Well, I'd I'd say then we got to start checking a pulse. You know what I'm saying? Checking their pulse or our pulse? Nope, theirs. Okay. It's hard not to like Spoon, man. I mean, really. Yeah, and um, with this record, as we've kind of said in the past, like this is Spoon, fully Spoon. You know what I mean? They've fully they've, realized. They're yeah. yeah. This is Spoon yeah. being Spoon uh, to their yeah. fullest potential. Uh, yeah, but so, let, hey, let's not get into it yeah. too much yet. Um, let's let's dive into our What You Heard's for the week. So this is our, our segment that we do on our full-length episodes where we kind of uh, just share a track from an artist, um, you know, a, a band that we've been listening to recently. Uh, just, just a way to share more music with you every week or every other week. Yeah. Um, Travis, I guess I'll let's start with you this time. 
Okay. What you been listening to, brother? So what you heard? And I forgot to I forgot to go back and 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 like see the context for this, but so there's this podcast or not a podcast. There's this YouTube series. Um, this guy he kind of does a deep dive into different like he picks an artist and does like a understanding uh you know trent reznor understanding kurt cobain understanding dave Grohl, and he does like a deep dive into like no wait is this another podcast no no no. this is a you like i say this is a youtube oh see i wasn't um, listening at all i'm sorry that's fine that's that's fine um <laughs> let me see if i can find what this guy's name is so i can do a shout out so the guy's name is, well, his YouTube channel, his name is Lie Likes Music. Lie, as in, don't you lie to me, likes music. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know the, the significance of that or whatever, but either way, he does deep dives into uh, rock music, basically. So, you know, he, he did an episode on Perfect Circle, and... I've never really given um, a perfect circle like a fair shake. You know what I mean? Me neither. So I was like, let me let me just see what this is about. You know, this will give me like a good sort of intro into them. But um, one of the one of the records that uh, was mentioned as a influence on Maynard James Keenan, which is one of the singers. I think he is a singer. Uh, was this record by Suey and the Banshees? Like, have you heard of them? No, but I like the name. So this is a punk, new wave punk band from from London, fronted by, um, well, she goes by Suey Sue, but Susan Dalian. Uh, so she so female front front singer. Um, but they're kind of, you know, came around the same time that Sex Pistols came around, and and you know. All of that, all of that jazz, you know. Let me hold on, dude. Let me fucking Jesus. <laughs> all to, that jazz. <laughs> Let me just fucking retake that. Okay. Bring me a higher love. So one of the records that was mentioned um, as an influence on a perfect circle uh, is a the nineteen eighty six album Tinderbox by Suey and the Banshees. Which, if you're not familiar with them, they are this uh, sort of new wave, post-punk band uh, that came over from England, started in the 70s. And this record, so I went back and kind of listened to, skipped through some of their earlier stuff to see if they have always sounded like this, or if this is kind of like a new thing when this came out in 86. And um, so... To me, at least, from what I can tell, this is their more dark album. It's a darker album. That's probably why it was an influence on on Perfect Circle. Um, but it's got this really cool vibe to it. Um, definitely has that new wave, like sort of some of those new wave signatures, you know, like the guitar specifically. And uh, her vocals are just great, fantastic. So anyway, let's just let it play. This song is called... The Sweetest Chill. And it is, again, on Suey and the Banshees' 1986 album, Tinderbox. Ooh. 
Nice. Pretty fucking sweet, right? I really liked that, dude. Um, uh, yeah. I, I wonder if Gwen Stefani was influenced by this oh, band. Yeah. This sounded a little bit well, like Gwen Stefani, like in her, her note out days. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of like female vocalists from the past few decades have come to mind when I heard that, right? Gwen Stefani yeah. was one of them. But then I've also, I, I kind of hear a little bit of, now I got to look up her name because I don't know her name, but you know, the, um, that band tennis that came out a few years yeah. back and I think they're, uh-huh. they're still, they're still making records, but oh, yeah. you know, you hear a little bit of influence on, on her, on the, on the lead singer. Her name is, um, Elena, Elena Moore. But yeah, I mean, it, obviously, you know, f- female vocalists from, you know, uh, have, 80s female vocalists had a huge influence on, especially with, with new, uh, you know, Chill Wave and all that kind of stuff, sort mm-hmm. of like doing like the harking back to the, to you know, Twin Sister. We, t- we were talking about her earlier today. Um, yeah. Just the two of us. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway. Um, so, yeah. Sui and the Banshees, uh, I admit, the only song I ever really knew or listened to from them uh, it's like this. God, what is it called, man? It's like this. It, it, it's it's pretty much like uh, the vapors. Uh, um, what's that song called? By the vapors. I don't know anything about the vapors. Man. You do though, dude. Um, oh, okay. Uh, shit. Turning Japanese. Oh. Or you know, walk like an Egyptian. This song was called Hong Kong Garden. And it was on their okay. first record back in 78. And it just, you know, it started with like, Q, I'm just going to play. We're going to play it. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. Hear this? Yes. It's a little on the gimmicky side. Right. Okay, so this is the same band? Yes. But this All is right. a first record. Yeah. So I, I never it. really dove into them. But this record, yeah, Tinderbox, so... uh, has a whole different vibe. It's yeah, you know, so it definitely came out worth, 10 years worth a dive then. Yeah, definitely. Well, worth, worth came a out, closer listen. Yeah, definitely worth a closer listen. Uh, but that kind of almost like it's, you know, it's like I said, it's dark. It's, you know, her vocals are kind of, I love the passion in her vocals, you know. I love sort of yeah. the, almost like the the guitar is almost like the, it's got this kind of haunted vibe to it. Anyway, great stuff. Definitely check out that album. Um, and that song again was called "The Sweetest Chill." So anyway, Q, cool. uh, what have you been listening to this week? Well, you're probably going to be excited, dude, because um, I know you're familiar with the band Dungan. Dude, why did I know just by looking at the song name that that was going to be from Dungan? <laughs> <laughs> because they're the Swedish rock, you know, psychedelic rock band that that right. everyone thinks of. Dude, I um, promise you not everybody thinks of them. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh so Dungan is a band that that I've been in love with really since their um album that came out in 2008 called 4. Not their fourth album, actually their fifth one. Um but th- th- this one I I I feel like I was it must have been around 2008 when when I heard them first and it, it was songs from that album. Um, again, they're this Swedish psych rock band. Um, there's something about their, so what I like about Dungan 
Um, they have really heavy moments, kind of like that band that I shared um, a couple weeks back. Wolf People, remember them? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they're like equal parts heavy. I, I wouldn't say metal, but, you know, the heavier side of psychedelic rock. But at the same time, you'll hear songs on the same album that are very pretty, um, you know, with really pretty strings and piano lines. Um, and Dungan is great because they'll have a handful of songs on each record that are purely instrumental. Um, you know, so there's, there's, there's a lot, a lot that they offer up with each album. Um, I honestly hadn't been keeping up with them since, uh, 2008. Again, like that was really the last album of theirs that I paid attention to. I listened to a few of the albums that came out before that. Um, but I kind of stopped paying attention to them. And they just released an album. It's actually a, co- a collaboration between them and this uh, band out of New York called Woods. You ever heard of that band? Uh, well, I was looking at at, um, at their discography just now because I saw that they collaborated with Dungan on this record. Yeah, I recognize one of the album covers from our from our New Dust heyday. Oh, okay, uh, I think we may have covered. Uh, something from what their album, album? Uh, Bend Beyond in, t- in 2012. Okay. I've seen that record cover before, so I have okay. some familiarity with them. I'm just, I don't know them. Yeah, I don't know too much about Woods, but they're classified as, as folk rock. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe not so much on the psychedelic side. Yep. But um, there's a record label called Mexican Summer that has been releasing um, collaboration albums with artists um, for this summer. Um and they've released uh, collab albums with uh, Ariel Pink. I'm sure you've heard of them, right? Oh, yeah. Ariel Pink and, and Way's Blood. Never heard of, of that one. Their, their first collaboration release was with uh, two artists by uh, the name of Devante Hines and Conan Moccasin. Anyways, um, really cool idea. You know, to to kind of bring two bands together and release a full album, um, they're all titled Myths, and um, this is the third installment. So this is Myths Zero Zero Three with Dungan and Woods, and the song that I'm sharing with you today is track five off of that release, and I'm gonna butcher it because I don't speak Sweden, or Sw- <laughs> I don't speak Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Jag Vile Va Kevar. You're welcome for that. And yeah, let's play it.
that's not what I was expecting. How so? Well, from what I remember from Dungan, they were much more psychedelic. Yeah, that see, almost but, had like a. You're probably remembering Dungan from 2008, right? Yeah, because that's when I stopped listening to them. Same. Okay, I have a confession to make. And this might, you know, in in the times that we live in, this might not be a popular thing for me to say. But okay, I can't get into Dungan because I don't know what they're saying. What? If Who I'm cares, watching, dude. I, I like to be able to sing the words to the songs that I'm man listening I'll to. sing along as best I can to a lot of yeah, the songs. Well, I don't know. I can't tell what they're saying. Who cares, bro? I don't know, man. I'm just telling you I can't I can't uh I can't get into it. That's a shame, man. I I well, told you, I said I prefaced it by saying, "Hey, this might not be a popular thing to say." Well, Keep in mind as well, this is a collaboration, you know? That's fine. So, I'm not sure what part of that was was um, was Woods, you know, what they brought to the table. Maybe Obviously, the, it's, it's the, the dude from Dungan that's singing. Sure. Um, because you can't mistake his voice, not just because they're singing in a different language, but you just can't mistake that guy's voice. Um, anyways, if you are a little bit curious about Dungan, I would start with their album four just the number four came out in 2008 if you like that one jump back one album prior to that one called Tio Batar that came out in 2007 those are my two favorites from them um one of my favorite bands man um I, I they're in the top 20 for sure mm. uh I I love Dugan all right so let's dive into Gimme Fiction so again we're diving back into some spoonage and so actually let me let me quote someone real quick here i liked this quote a lot so this is from a journalist i guess uh for drowned in sound his name's joe goggins and this is something he had to say uh back in 2015 so uh they had a reissue of gimme fiction and it's actually up on Spotify. I don't know if you've given it a listen, Trav. There's a lot of demos on this reissue. So this is the 10-year the anniversary uh, reissue for Gimme Fiction. You know, so this is, this is now looking back on it, after, you know, listening to it again after 10 years. He says, If ever there was a fork in the road for the group, this album was probably it. Knowing as we do with the benefit of hindsight that they picked the right route, Gimme Fiction sounds even more invigorating on reflection. So I like kind of what he says, and I would agree that this may be a fork in the road for them. And that's kind of like what we're saying. This is now Spoon fully realized. You know, this sound, this approach to the way they make albums. Gimme Fiction is Spoon. You're right. This is... Um, the songs that you hear on this album sound like the songs you'll hear on uh, on their last album that they just put out. Hot Thoughts. Hot Thoughts. As far as, like, the approach, the sort of the variedness of it, his... I feel like he becomes more and more comfortable with his voice as time he progresses. He also... He also becomes more comfortable behind the piano, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. 
Yeah. And that, so, yeah, Dave, you probably read the same thing I read about that, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so there's a really cool website that we, we came across when we were researching for this episode called gimmefacts.com. It's a website put together by this guy named Sean O'Neill. Uh, he is a writer and uh, he's a guy that used to live in Austin. He's now living in Chicago. He's been, uh, quote unquote, hanging around the margins of Spoon since 1996. 1996, dude. Um, and a lot of what information that we're pulling today comes from this guy. And it's all interviews that he has with Brit, with Jim Eno, with um, producers and other people that that had something to do with this album. Um, so this guy, this guy knows these guys, you know, this guy knows Spoon. Um, and there, there's a lot of really cool, there's a lot of great pictures, um, you know, from like the studio and other, uh, other, um, yeah, like tour, tour photos. And stuff like yeah. That. Tour photos, um, pictures of, you know, um, notepad writings with lyrics and, and, you know, chord ideas and stuff. A lot of cool stuff on this website. Um, so, but like we're saying, and, and kind of like, you know, Joe Goggins is saying, hey, this is a fork in the road for the group. Uh, a, you know, a little bit different approach um, in the way that, they, that they're writing these songs and everything. But at the same time, you still have that experimental side, you know, with quite a few of these songs. Um, you still have those drum pad electronic moments, you know? Um, right. But I feel like what what we're trying to say and and what you know what what they're saying here, and that this is now Spoon fully realized. I feel like they are using each member of the band more so now and moving forward than just Brit and Jim. Well, this is the first album, from what I understand, that they brought on an actual keyboard player. You okay. Know, instead of just having them kind of coming and going for tours yeah. and stuff like this is when a keyboardist became a member of the band. Yeah. And that was, and uh, if, that was Eric Harvey, I believe his name is. So, yeah. And if you listen to the album that came out, what was it? 2002 that, that kill the moonlight came out. Yes. You listen to that album or, you know, you go back and listen, listen to our episode on, on kill the moonlight. One thing that was, that bummed us out is the realization that Spoon does not play songs from Kill the Moonlight anymore. Right. Um, but when you listen to Gimme Fiction and then you listen to, to Gaga Gaga Ga, Transference, They Want My Soul and Hot Thoughts, it becomes clear that, that most likely the reason they're not playing songs from Kill the Moonlight anymore is because they are utilizing each member of the band now. Um, you know? And Kill the Moonlight is 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 still one of those albums where it you know most of the songs could be played with just Brit and Jim you know yeah this album's great man I I remember really loving it when it came out um, and I enjoy it even more now so for uh, us this was the first like new Spoon album as far as like right we get into Kill the Moonlight Kill the Moonlight's already out we probably right. go and see Spoon. For their Kill the Moonlight tour or around that same yeah. time. And then Gimme yeah. Fiction is the first like 
brand new spoon material that we got to enjoy. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. And yeah, I do Dude, remember. I, I remember being in love with this album when it came out. I remember being as excited as I was when Aha Shake Heartbreak came out by Kings of Leon. Yeah. You know, it's that thing where you 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 discover this band and you fall in love with them. And then you find out that they have a new album coming out. Yeah, you have that um, anticipation of like, and then oh, you no, listen to it, to and it exceeds your expectations. Right. Um, this well, these is both came out. This is around the same time. Aha, uh-huh, Shake Heartbreak came out in two thousand four. Yeah. So, dude. Yep. Those are exciting times for us as as music lovers. Yeah, for sure. So, where to begin? Really, there's not too much we need to to unpack. You know, this is our our last episode for for a while, except for, except for our soundtrack that's coming out well, next week. Yeah, this is our this spoon. our last uh, spoon, uh, yeah, episode for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like we've talked enough about about their history and all that. Uh, by this point, so you know they're just continuing to get more and more recognition, um, yet still somehow staying in that kind of undiscovered indie rock realm, you know, like they were getting more and more mainstream success. Um, but so, you know what, they were compared a lot in, in articles I read that came out around the time of this release to Wilco for many reasons, actually, apparently Wilco had a similar situation with their first release, uh, on a major record label. Apparently they got dropped as well. Um, you know, and, and still continue to have success. Um, and they still kind of skirt the lines between, um, you know, indie rock and mainstream as far as like their, their recognition as, as, you know, as a band and spoon at this point, I feel like we're starting to turn some heads finally with their single off of this one. I turn my camera on. Uh, that one is still one of the band's biggest hits to date. Did you know that? No, which is, that's interesting to me because it's, you know, it's Spoon's or it's Brit's, um, like his, it's his, it's his falsetto voice. Yeah. It's his vocal (laughs) alter ego, you know? Yeah. His entire, the entire track. Which we haven't, we haven't played, yeah, we haven't played one of those tracks yet where he sings in his higher pitch. And that's only because those songs are singles. Well, but, is, this the um, first, is this the first record? No, he does that on he did no. that on Kill the Moonlight too. He does it in Kill the Moonlight. Um, yeah, and that song also has um, his really cool little beatbox loop that he makes. That uh, was a single. We're, talk, we're talking, yeah, dude. That's the only I reason know. I didn't play that one on our Kill the Moonlight episode. We're talking about um, "Stay Don't Go." Yeah, which is honestly one of my favorite Spoon songs. Um, yeah, he he sings in falsetto. In uh, I turned my camera on, which is again was one of the singles on this album, along with um, Sister Jack. Those are the two singles off of this one. Sister Jack's a great song. I love that yeah, one. Yeah, definitely. So our first pick is gonna be quite a ways down on the track list. It's track seven. It's called I Summon You, and this is one of my favorite Spoon songs, mainly because of the lyrics. Um, let's, let's give it a listen and we've just got one clip from this song and then we'll, we'll talk about it. (laughs) 
pretty song i love the lyrics um so is this the first acoustic spoon song that we've played i feel like it might be i think so yeah if you've ever seen spoon live he has always played this song by himself i don't know if if that's to say that that in every instance all the other band members leave the stage when i saw them earlier this year or i think may have been late last year it, this was kind of like a like a pre-encore kind of thing where everyone left for a little bit. He came back, played this song by himself. The rest of the band members came back. They played a little bit more, and then they had another encore. Ever since they toured for this album, he's played this song by himself. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's one of the few Spoon songs that, that probably could be played just with one person, you know? Yeah. This is apparently Jim Eno's favorite song on the record. Really? Um, yeah. This, according to Britt Daniel, this is lyrics that uh, he says, I had a girlfriend and we had fallen for each other really fast. But the whole time we were meeting each other, we knew she was moving away. So within a couple months of us meeting, she moved to Kansas. Uh, I summon you was something I'd write to her. Hmm. I missed her a lot. So if you read the lyrics, now this little girl... She says, will we make it at all? 800 miles is a drive. Where are you tonight? How do we get here? It's too late to break it off. I need a release. The sync signals a cough. Uh, I summon you to appear, my love. I got the weight of the world. I summon you here, my love. So, he, you know, you can just imagine him, like, saying these words to her. Like, I, I wish I could just yeah, summon just, you here yeah, to just, me. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I wish you were here. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, just a great, great, uh, you know, tragic love song, if you think about it that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who, who, yeah. I think I've always, 
associated. I, I didn't I didn't know the the story behind that the lyrics, but you know I feel like that's kind of what what you think of when you hear the song. Like it's it's obviously a love song, you know. Yeah. But um, so yeah, one thing we had mentioned earlier, I guess with girls can tell, uh, which came out in two thousand one. That was the first album of theirs where where they started using piano in their albums, where he just realized, let's not yeah, we, limit ourselves. Right. Uh, one thing that he mentions about this album, specifically, uh, he, he's kind of talking about the, the first track on the album called The Beast and Dragon Adored. He says, around this time, uh, you know, I was starting to write a lot of songs on piano for the first time. He says, you know, before girls can tell, for some reason we were stuck on this notion that piano was uncool. Uh, over time, I started being able to play it a little bit, and then it got to where I could actually write a song on piano. Um, he says, you know, I, you know, I, c- I could write these songs. They'd still be very rudimentary. But when you don't know how to play an instrument and you're writing a song, you go to all kinds of different chords that you wouldn't if you knew what you were doing. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, he says certainly different stuff that I would have on, have done on the guitar, um, and he says it was all based on what I could actually play. And if it was a chord progression that stayed away from the black keys, that made it a little bit easier. Um, so you know we're talking. I'm talking about all this, and and we're not going to play Beast and Dragon Adored for you today. But just listen to this album. This there's a lot of great piano on this. One thing I, I found out that was really cool. Uh, he says, you know, we had more of a budget now for this album, but we still didn't have access to a grand piano. Uh, and he's saying that, that this song, The Beast and Dragon Adored, definitely needed a grand piano. So we did one thing that we did a few years back for Girls Can Tell, where I snuck into the piano lab at the University of Texas. Hmm. Um, they have a music building that has all of these soundproof rooms with pianos for music students to come and practice on, and nobody were guard, nobody guarded these rooms. <laughs> so me and Mike, he's talking about um, their producer, took some mics and mic stands and snuck into one of these rooms with the grand piano. So, dude, I just love that man. Uh, right. So they recorded the grand piano parts for the Beast and Dragon Adored. Uh, Basically, they broke into the University of Texas and that's, did this. That's with great. Nobody man. knowing. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially you know, as we've talked about, Spoon is from Austin. Yeah. Uh, you know, so being from Texas, like you, couldn't having lived in Austin, like hearing those little stories about how yeah they recorded the piano parts for Beast and Dragon Adored in the UT like music halls. You know what I mean? It's just great. Dude. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So Mike. So his name's Mike McCarthy. Um, and he is, he's mostly known for his work with Spoon. Uh, he, he's worked on five of their albums from Girls Can Tell all the way to Gaga Gaga Ga. So he's, he's been with them since Girls Can Tell. Anyways, um, you want to move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right, cool. So what are your thoughts on, on, on this, this song? So we're, we're, we're going to cut, we're going to play, um, Was It You, which is track nine. Do you like this song? I love this song. So I've Me always too, been a man. fan of track nine and track 10 on this record, which is Was It You and They Never Got You because sort of along the same lines as 
Back to the Life, which is what we one of our picks for Kill the Moonlight. It's got the more sort of electronic, uh, synthesized spoon yeah. vibes. You know that, what I mean? Yeah, that's it, that's what I like about it too. Yeah, um, I like it when they do that, and that's like one of the other things that makes Spoon so great is that you'll hear a song like "I Summon You," which is just your straight, simple acoustic song, and then you'll hear a song like "Was It You." And you just get this entirely different sound, this entirely different vibe. Yeah. And yeah, it, it I like it for the same reasons that I that I like Back to the Life musically. But it's just got a really cool vibe to it, man. Like the lyrics are kind of minimal, you know? Yeah, there's, the, a lot there's of, nothing much to the lyrics. Um Mike McCarthy actually says that um uh, that that this that he he didn't really like this one. Uh, he says, um, you know, it, it's kind of long and, and and drawn out. Not that interesting to me is what he says about this one. So, hey, let's so we got a couple clips to play. Let's play clip number one um, and, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, so I just love the bass line. I love. I actually like how drawn out it is. Like it, you know, it takes a little too. bit before you before you start singing. You know, yeah. It's just that. It's just that drum beat. Yeah, and then I you like hear the bass too. line. Yeah, I just love it, dude. Yeah. So Britt Daniel says that this is a song that he wrote on an acoustic guitar. He says in roughly sixty seconds he wrote this song. Dude, I believe it. Two or three years before they even started recording. So this is a what he considers, he said it was a bit of a throwaway song. Um, but then he made a drum machine demo of it uh, when he was working working up songs for Gimme Fiction, and he really liked it. So I know, looking at the liner notes, it is Jim Eno that provides drums on this track. So that, that drum machine loop that you hear it was, was written by Jim Eno. Um, but yeah, I love the the bass too. Yeah, uh, just those simple kind of uh, guitar riffs kind of thrown in. Yeah, here and there that you hear pop up. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just got this almost like um, dream vibe to it a little bit. Yeah, dude, it makes me it makes me think of of sleepwalking. Uh, so 
I wanted to do two clips and and really the second clip is is just trying to I, w- I want to try to to share you know what we what we're saying with like it does kind of drag on it, it, not in a negative way um yeah, that's what I like but about it yeah it just it continues on with this beat like spoon has always been really great at they'll kind of throw in really cool sounds and you know just kind of mix it up a little bit as it goes on same with the bass line uh even the drumming changes up a little bit the longer it it plays out so the second clip is going to be the the last bit of the song i did fade it out myself at the end because it it does actually play straight into the next track which is um they never got you um but i faded it out so it's not just an abrupt stop um so yeah let's play clip two Yeah, so that's how the song ends. Yep. It just it's basically yeah, I think he sings a verse maybe once or twice and then it's just that. Yeah. I I don't agree with Mike McCarthy. But I'm not a producer, you know? Like So he's saying he's saying that he thinks it's too drawn out, right? That's all yeah, he's he saying. Yeah, he says it's it's kind of boring. I mean, but that's again, it's one of the reasons that I I like Spoon. They're not afraid to throw to to put to put what 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 Brit even himself said was a throwaway song until he added the drum track to it. And to me, that's what I like about it. It is worth listening to this reissue uh, that came out in 2015 for this album because they do have the Was It You demo on it. And it is quite different. I could see how with with what Mike is saying, you know, he listened to the demo, obviously. Um, You know, when Brit Daniel brought all this stuff to him. Uh, you know, and he's he's kind of saying that he likes he liked the demo version more. So it's uh, it's worth giving a listen. But this is a song that has always um, stuck with me from this album. Is this one because it's different? You know, because it's different. And we exactly. talk about how they you know how they they're not afraid to take a risk. You know, 
Not that this yeah. is like, ooh, how risky of them. But it's just like, no, you not know, at all. It, it's very like, it's got like a hypnotic yeah, thing right. about it. That maybe, I, that maybe, I like that's, so much. maybe that's our affinity for down tempo that makes us like this yeah, song. I think so. You know, because it's yeah. got a little bit of that vibe to it. But hey, you know what? It's worth sharing on, on this podcast because that's what we're all about man right those deep dives you know a, a song that you probably have never heard from spoon you know hopefully um yeah was it you track nine on the record and we're gonna finish up this uh, episode with the last track on the album this is one of my favorite spoon songs to date um it is um this one is called merchants of soul That's how you end a record. <laughs> There's just so much going on, man. And this is what, what I've always loved about Spoon. It's what, dude, there's people always are tired something of us talking about it, man. I know, man. But there's just something, yeah. Every track, there's something that you're going to hear that you're not expecting 
or they're going to add, they're going to throw in some, like at the very end, you know, on the last verse when he switches up and adds the tambourine shake to it. Yeah. Hey, let me just read this real quick, dude. I've got, this is liner notes here. Britt Daniel is credited. I'm going to read all the stuff that's going on on track 11, Merchants of Soul, that aren't obvious, right? So Britt Daniel contributes with uh, slaps. So what? What's he? What? Something that he's slapping. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a moog that pops up in there. Uh, you know the synthesizer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, shaker. Yeah, the shaker. And then yeah, you've got. I said you've tambourine. Got aim, yeah, you've you've got Ames Asbel plays viola. Sarah Nelson plays the cello. Um, and that's it for for notable um instruments on this on this song. I think the Moog is is that kind of like Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, that's that's um, what I'm saying like, you know, there's all that all that went into it, but it's yeah. not it's not jumping out at I you. I really like the lyrics too. The lyrics are fucking great as always. Yes. Um one notable figure that pops up in this song is a guy by the name of Ralph Reed. Dude, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I've used Ralph Reed as like a screen name, like as my like gamer screen tag and stuff like that on certain things. So like, really, you know, yeah, and same with Jonathan Fisk. I've used I've used like Jay Fisk and stuff sometimes for usernames <laughs> and stuff. I do that all the time. Yeah, Bert Daniel says um, I managed to get Ralph Reed's name into this song, and that was the highlight for me. I was into this i I was into this idea of Ralph Reed taking me on a journey to the danger side. This is Ralph Reed's night out. Ralph Reed is um, a conservative American political activist, best known as the first executive director of the Christian Coalition during the early nineties. Okay, he says mixed up and lonely on the danger side. Ralph Reed was driving, said he wants to go all night. I made him wait, took my time to decide to get wise. The fiends are fiending outside, merchants of soul so unkind. You know, um, that's funny because when he talks about Jonathan Fisk... Let's remind everyone who Jonathan Fisk is. So Jonathan Fisk was the the bully that, that would beat him up. Uh, when yeah. he was walking home from school, or at least that's the name that he gave this. I don't think that that's he, his actual yeah. name, but but you know, Jonathan Fisk shows up on Kill the Moonlight on the song yep. Jonathan Fisk, but then he comes back later in um, They on, Want My Soul on, on They Want My Soul, yeah, on the on yeah. that title track, and he talks about Jonathan Fisk being a a soul sucker. Um, he said that the, when he wrote They Want My Soul, it's a song about religious pretenders, manipulators. Educated folk singers, people that bring me down, soul suckers, etc. So I feel like merchants of soul could it be about the same thing. Like this is just kind of maybe a theme that he goes back to. People who are right after yeah. his Ralph soul. Reed being one of those manipulating soul yeah, suckers. Yeah, soul sucker. Right. Jonathan Fisk being someone that just brings him down. Yeah, and no doubt, um, no doubt, a religious pretender. Right. Right. Uh, I just have to quote the first line in this song because it is one of my favorite lines in any Spoon song. I was a heartbeat on the danger side, just had to see what it all was like. Put your nose in that. Yeah. I I don't know if, if what he's, you know, 
the line put your nose in that i i think of um you know your your family pet your dog yeah you know takes a shit on the on the carpet uh, you know or on the on the rug or something and you fucking rub you rub its nose in it yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know to show it what it did and why why that was a terrible thing for it to do right try to sh- teach it a lesson yeah um that just comes to mind um god I, dude i just love the lyrics yeah he's he's, he's such I, a... I just love brit daniel man he's he's know, probably my favorite lyricist um maybe of all time man i'll say he is one of the only songwriters that i really pay attention to the lyrics you know and and yeah and actually try to take the time to dissect and figure out what he might be singing about like you know yeah a lot of songs i know the words but i don't really care what it could mean because you know and that's the thing like with Britt daniel's lyrics they are very obscure but they're so provocative um yeah i agree man. with that man especially yeah. you know especially when you find out what he's singing about a lot of times too you know oh dude hey speaking of that we found out something a few days ago uh, that goes back to um, one of the songs we covered f- for our Kill the Moonlight episode. Oh, that's right, dude. Hey, let's set the record straight, dude. <laughs> yeah. Which I think we sh- is what we should call this segment from now on. Uh, this is a throwback to... Episode two. Uh, epi- well, episode two, we call ourselves out for making a mistake in our first episode on Alice in Chains. Yeah, I said that Stone uh, Temple Pilots were from from uh, Seattle, which they weren't. And so I corrected myself and I thought I was going to be, you know, like a new segment where we say, Hey, we said something wrong. I'm sure we've said plenty of incorrect things, dude, since then, but we just haven't brought that segment back. Well, and you know what, dude, podcasters get called out by the people that listen to their podcast. And we just don't have enough people listening or the people that are listening aren't sending us emails and telling us where we're, we're saying dumb shit or they don't know <laughs> that we said something dumb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, let's set the record straight here on a song that we covered on our kill the moonlight episode. Uh, this song is called something to look forward to. Uh, one of the lines in that, in that song is, um, your Chicago manual of style, right? Your Chicago manual of style. He's singing about this girl named Carol. And uh, we were just like, what What the fuck is Chicago Manual of Style? What the hell does that mean? And uh, you were like, hmm, you know what? Maybe it's just a cool way of saying that she dresses like she lives in Chicago. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, guess what the Chicago Manual of Style is, dude? Well, I know because you showed it to me the other day. That is a style guide for American English. Uh, first published in 1906. It has 17 editions now. Um, basically, it it just it's just a grammar, you know, and like document prep guide. Uh, you know, it goes through like citation styles and stuff like that. Basically, if you're an English major, you know what the Chicago Manual of Style is. Well, what's you know? funny is, I mean. You know, I was in the newspaper. I wrote for the high school newspaper. I thought mm-hmm. about being a journalist. I knew what the elements of style is, which is this book by Strunk Jr. and E.B. White. Like, everybody knows that book. 
But I'd never heard of the Chicago manual. Well, there you go. But I've never heard of the Chicago manual of style, which sounds like a very similar thing where it's just literally a book about like grammar best practices, basically. Yeah. But yeah, that's funny, dude. Yeah. It's, you know, you know why it's funny? And this is what we've talked, what we've said about Bert Daniels since, since our first episode, our first Spoonathon episode. I mean, his lyrics can be so simple and just, you know, straightforward He's singing about stuff that he's that he's noticing in his environment, but it's still he he does it in a way like you know his songwriting is just provocative and it 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 just makes you think. Yeah, his his lyrics are are, are unlike anybody else, really. I mean, really, I I think I can safely say that. Yeah, there's nobody else that writes music lyrics that are as like as uh, interesting as his. I mean, it's come just, on, hold on. Let me let me back. That's 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 a that's a stretch. But what I'm saying is like, there's no there's nobody else that I can think of that writes. He has a very unique voice, both lyrically and definitely his actual singing voice. Like, Spoon is unmistakable, dude. His sound is unmistakable. His let me, let that say, goes his, for his guitar, his guitar yeah, style. Yeah, but I mean, his voice his in particular and the way that he chooses to emphasize syllables you know or stress syllables yeah, yeah all that but, kind of stuff but it's, you, yeah a lot of times you don't know what he's saying so now dude i think that's we're definitely um maybe we're trying to get it all out here at the last second yeah our our, our love fest for brit and, and spoon because since this is our last full episode talking about uh our favorite band so yeah so if you're joining us for the first time on this episode just jump back and listen to to our other three full-length episodes on Spoon. We start with their second studio album, A Series of Sneaks, and we cover um, Girls Can Tell after that and Kill the Moonlight. Um, we're finishing up here with Gimme Fiction. Our sidetrack next week is going to be uh, covering Britt Daniels' involvement with the soundtrack for the movie Stranger Than Fiction, which... I don't know off the top of my head when that came out, but it was actually not that long after Gimme Fiction came out. That's that movie with Will Ferrell where he's not just being Will Ferrell for once. It's actually a really good movie. Yeah, I, it's a I great really movie. enjoy it. Um, and Spoon is just all over that movie. Uh, and Brit Daniel even does a few original songs for, you know, specific scenes for the movie for the movie. Yeah, a lot of times I tell you know, if I'm talking about Spoon with somebody and they're not familiar with the band I'll say, yeah. have you seen Stranger Than Fiction? And I do that too, If they man. say yes, I say, then then you've heard a Spoon song. You've heard Spoon song. You just didn't know it. Because yeah. like you that said, dude, there's... I, I do the so, same thing, man. Yeah, it's... yeah. What's our next full-length episode, dude? Okay, so... I'm super pumped about our next full-length episode because we are returning back to metal. And this would be our first true metal band and album... Yeah, the only one that comes anywhere close to that would be our first episode on Alice in Chains. Right, exactly. So this is sort of our first this is our first return to the realm of metal. And uh, me being the, the huge metal fan, compared to you at least, um, I always get really excited about... I, I've been planning putting metal back into No Filler and just trying to figure out what to do next, you know, and... I thought it would be fitting to, to talk about the godfathers of metal, uh, Black Sabbath. 
And this is going to be kind of a first for, for us as far as the way I'm going to approach this. But I wanted to cover three albums without devoting an episode to each album. Because basically I want to play a song, one song from each of their first three albums. That being said, we're going to cover briefly, briefly talk about early Black Sabbath and then we're going to just dive into the songs, you know. Black Sabbath is one of those bands that I feel like they don't we don't need to go into the history of them. We don't need to talk about, you know, we just can we can scratch the surface basically. But yeah, early Sabbath is some of my favorite metal uh hands down. And as I've talked about before, like early early metal, it branches off of blues just like rock music does, right? Yeah. And um, like Zeppelin and yes, exactly. Rolling Stones. You've got yeah. If you if you think about like blues and then you think about rock and you think about metal, rock the rock branch is Zeppelin, the metal branch is is Sabbath, but they both branched off of blues, right? So anyway, so as always, you want to know a little bit more? You want to dive a little bit deeper? Check out our website, nofillerpodcast.com. We've got our show notes on there. Uh, if you want to, you know, just dive a little bit deeper, we've got more information on our website for you. You can stream our episodes straight from the website with our, our SoundCloud players. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on any podcast app. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. Uh, pretty much any, any podcast app you can think of, we should be on there. Let us know what you think. Please comment, you know, subscribe, send us an email. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know where we can improve. We'd love to hear from you. Give us suggestions for albums to cover. Help us out here. We're trying to, to, to keep this thing going as long as, as we can. Uh, we could use some help. So, um, again, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to cover the soundtrack for the movie Stranger Than Fiction, which is just loaded with with all things Spoon. And, yeah, my name is Quentin. Well, Q, I got to tee up the outro song here. Oh, shit, dude. My bad. Sorry, I was jumping the gun. That's fine. What do you got for us? Uh, we mentioned that website, gimmefacts.com. One of the one of the artists that... Uh, this this artist kind of find it, you know, so, somebody brought a compilation CD of this artist onto the tour bus or something like that. And it's this guy who goes by the name of King Tubby. It is a Deb, a reggae Deb artist from the 60s Wait and 70s. Wait a second. Are you saying Deb? Uh, hold on a minute. King, no, I said t- King Tubby. No, I know, dude, but you said reggae Deb. No, no, I said dub. Oh, it sure sounded like Deb, dude. Well, whatever. I you said, said it twice, too, and I heard Deb both well, times. That's possible. So anyway, somebody brought a King Tubby compilation CD onto the tour bus, and um, Britt Daniel was very much influenced by this guy. He even mentioned him in several interviews uh, around the ga-ga-ga-ga-ga era, um, and he, he even said, like, you know, you're going to hear some of that come through in the record and um anyway oh, so. hang on dude there's a uh there's a song on on that record that's called like something reggae right yeah uh eddie's reggae yeah right yeah so okay so yeah so anyway i uh just this is just a, a track from him king tubby and i think if you if you listen to ga 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 i also don't like saying that 
that record name. I know, man. You're Um, forced to say it five times. I know. But uh, I think you will hear some of that influence for sure. Um, Cool. And that's their that's their album that came out right after uh, Give Me Fiction. Yes. So basically, Brit was introduced to Dub, in, in you know through King Tubby, while they were touring for Give Me Fiction, and then you sort of hear that influence. And while he was, I'm sure, writing for for the next album. Exactly. And then you yeah you can kind of hear that from then on. So anyway, this song is called keep on dubbing <laughs> <laughs> yes that's gonna do it for us this week come back next week for our sidetrack episode on the soundtrack for stranger than fiction which will be the last time we talk about spoon for the foreseeable future but anyway i've i've enjoyed it i've had fun talking about spoon. yeah man me too we've, we've i feel like the minute that we decided that we were going to start this music podcast, that this was inevitable, dude. Yeah, we had talked about doing this early, early on. That we're going to do. Beginning. We're going to do a spoonathon, and we're going to cover their first four albums, and or their first five, I guess. And then yeah. we're going to cover their next four, maybe later. And by the time that's the thing, by the time we get around to covering the next four, they might have another album out by then. Oh, dude, I sure hope so, man. I mean, they're pretty consistent. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Every two to three years, it seems like. Yep. All right. Enough yabbering. Yeah. All right. Let's listen to this. What's, what's the name of the song? Keep on dubbing. Keep on dubbing. All right. My name's Quentin. And my name is Travis. Y'all take care now. You here? <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.